0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Jana Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they are all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. It's my pleasure to welcome two guests on our show today. Waukesha County Executive, Paul Farrow, and Dale Shaver, Waukesha County Director of Parks and Land Use. both are joining me today to discuss how their county has collaborated in response to COVID-19 pandemic and how their commitment to data-driven decisions has been essential to managing their team's response. Dale last joined me on episode number sixty eight Focus on the positive discussed the importance of employee engagement and customer service while responding to the crisis. And Dale has just been a model for us to highlight um, on this topic. So I hope you go back to number 68 and, and listen to that episode. County Executive Paul Farrow has focused on building partnerships in order to grow businesses, bolster existing workforce development infrastructure, and reduce the tax burden on residents throughout his public service career. As county executive, his goal is to make Waukesha County a regional leader in job growth, business expansion, and capital investment. I know you're going to just enjoy listening to Paul. He's one of the best county government leaders in the country. I I can't wait for the interview today. Waukesha County, by the way, is a suburban county just outside of Milwaukee. It's at home to about 400,000 residents and 13,000 businesses. They're really a, a surviving and thriving, I think, business hub, home to Kohl's Corporation, GE Healthcare, and Milwaukee Tool. The county government has a team of about 1,400 employees that provide services ranging from public works, parks, and land use, emergency management, and public health and human services. The Waukesha County team has presented their outstanding results at our conferences over the last several years. Just outstanding results. Their role model for a government department in providing service to customers and an engaged workplace. So today, it's just my pleasure um, to welcome Paul and Dale to our show today. Paul, welcome to our show today. It's so great to have you with us.
1: Janet, thanks for having me here. It's great to be part of the, the opportunity to talk.
0: That's super. And Dale, as always, it's good to have you back.
2: Honored. Honored again.
0: All right. So let's let's kick off with the the first question. And um, Dale, you know, I just know that we haven't really appreciate, you know, the partnership that we have with you all and had you on, you know, really talking about the good work that your unit does and, you know, just really admire admire that in, in the Waukesha County. So so I'm gonna just work, Paul, just address his first question to you. You know, I I know, and I hear so many good things about your leadership making a difference in Waukesha County. Your team has been recognized as leaders in improving responsiveness, you know, outcomes, demonstrating a culture of excellent service, and we see example after example in Dale's area. You know, I know you're you have to be extremely proud of your team. Um, can you talk a little bit more about what has led to the success from your from your lens?
1: Sure. Janet, it's kind of funny when you think about leading a team. Uh, You know, in 2015, I was elected to this position. And I think Dale, I knew Dale, and I know a large number of the team through my conversations as a legislator, but they had no idea who I was coming into this. And I think that's one of those unknowns. You're like, okay, what are we going to get? I'll tell you what I found was an incredible group of individuals that wanted to always achieve. Than they could, and always look to be the best and figure out how to do that. So, coming in about five years ago, as I came into this position, and they had already started looking at some of the best practices in the healthcare system, they reached out to the Menominee Falls School District to find out what was driving their success. And they came back and started telling me about the nine principles of organizational excellence that Quinn Studer developed, what it meant. And I gotta tell you, it was kind of an easy decision for us to move forward as a partnership with the student group in 2017. And we haven't looked back. You know, when our first focus is to really engage the staff to define what service excellence means for them and to our customers, Uh, we started looking at ways of how to define those organizational characteristics in the county and setting up a system that would then attract high-quality employees as we move forward. Um, I think what you're seeing in this county right now is a real cultural change over the last five years of engagement and opportunity growth. And I think it's been fantastic. Um, One of the first things that really kind of started happening was gathering data. We reached out. They had been doing customer surveys to the employees to kind of get employee feedback and a little bit in our strategic plan to go out to the customers. But we've built out a robust system now that gathers a lot of data and starts looking at how we use that, especially as we continue to look at performance objectives, our goals for the year and for a couple of years out. One of the things I think we've really started to try to capture was what does success look like? Yeah. And in that process, how do we engage the team to work better using measuring measurements to improve that, using the data that we're getting has really helped us to build an engagement from all different aspects on what we're trying to do here in the county.
0: I admire the work that that you have done in county government <laughs> i use you as an example in so many places to say you know bring your bring your county governments on <laughs> they really need it we really need um need that type of work and just the the value of using that data to engage teams in conversations about pr- improvement you know just it it really brings that engagement to the team and we've just seen evidence of that in in your team so just one of want to compliment you all on that work. And, you know, Dale, I know you have, you know, some some views and thoughts on this as well, you know, as you think about what Paul has proposed here and, you know, looking at the bigger picture and how that kind of connects down to specifically some of your work.
2: Yeah, I think what, what Paul drove when he came into uh, our administration as our CEO, if you will, um, was really a refocus on measuring those important things and rebuilding we have been initiating strategic planning for some time but really to to stop for a minute and build out what we cared about most as an organization and build out our organizational pillars um and that discussion that occurred during that process i would say was that first time where departments began to look at one another in terms of we need to eliminate silos because there are issues here, uh, whether it's opioid addictions or other community issues that transcend departments. Um, And how do we define what success looks like and how do we engage uh, several departments in a common cause? And I would say that has set the tone uh, and is paying dividends right now as we work through the COVID pandemic. Um, Because now it was not strange response for uh, our team members when Paul asked them to literally be redeployed in areas outside of their normal day job to serve in lead roles to respond to the pandemic and what is viewed as a public health response, right? Yeah. Um, And so... I'm just very proud that that groundwork has been laid that we're now breaking down silos and really working on uh, countywide objectives, regardless of of uh, what your daytime job is. Really putting the right people in the right seat at the right time.
0: Dale, I know we had a, an opportunity to connect on a prior episode, and you referred to this, but that when, as I've talked to uh, leaders and executive leaders um, over the last several months, that's one thing we consistently hear is the work has really helped us break down silos. Maybe we knew, maybe those silos have been broken down, but now that we have to deploy very specific things in a crisis and be. Fairly agile in doing so, we realize you know how those silos have 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 broke apart so that we can actually accomplish that. So let's expand on that um, and talk a little bit about the pandemic since we're just living it day in and day out. As a county government, you all are in the forefront um, of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Paul, I'll, I'll direct this to you first. How has your commitment to the improvement process and making data driven decisions been helpful in managing your team response through this? crisis?
1: You know, Janet, I would say that's probably one of the key components that we've had. Uh, We've spent the last couple years really embedding continuous improvement, looking at the the nine principles, figuring out how we can help our team grow and connect and get interconnected. So when the COVID crisis hit, one of the first things as a county does is we declare an emergency and we activate our emergency operations center. In doing so, you bring people together to handle a crisis well in this kid's situation we weren't sure quite sure what the crisis was but when we reached out to find the best players that we could put into EOC, everybody stood up very quickly and said, "I can help out this is what we can provide this is what I can do and It's been fantastic. We've created dashboards, so we've got an external dashboard and an internal dashboard that we can keep up to date on what's going on with the COVID situation, the virus spread. But one of the things we found out as well is communication and working through trying to provide enough communication for everybody without going overload. About halfway through about the middle of April, we sent out a survey to all our employees Just asking for a quick feedback check in. Are we giving you enough information? Within 40 minutes of sending the survey out, we had 300 plus responses saying, We're almost getting too much. And here's what we'd like to see, which is great because then we can recraft the information and how we're sending it out. And that's what we've done with the public as well putting information out. We don't wanna overload them because they kind of get numb to it. We wanna make sure that we're getting the key information out at the right time so that they know what's going on. And I think that has really helped us develop a good cohesive message as we move forward in how we're dealing with the virus.
0: Yeah, that's spectacular, Paul. I mean, I just, you know, communication is usually the the most significant barrier and, you know, just, I love what you said, just getting that key messaging out at the right time and being, you know, very strategic about how you do that. Um, so, you know, just really spectacular work there. Dale, you know, I know you have specific actions, you know, of the departments, you know, can you give a, an action or two, you know, to complement what Paul has been talking about here?
2: Yeah, I think that that cadence of information that that Paul referred to—that he received great feedback and quick feedback—is we want we trust that it's going to come, but we don't need it. Regular, we don't need it that fast. Just keywords at the key at key times, right, or key information at mm-hmm. the key times. So I think that helped us refine. I would also say the other the other move that Paul made, and he has a, a term that he's coined now. Things were happening, decisions were being made, or information was coming minutely. And it really (laughs) did feel that way. And so we have in our, what we call our EOC, our Emergency Operations Center, there were logistics and planning and project management staff, public health staff, and they needed guidance from time to time from a higher level, from a leadership level or a policy level. But because that was coming so quickly, uh, Paul actually took two of his uh, senior executives and align them into that operation so that we were meeting with that public health, key public health staff multiple times a week because discussions or issues had to come that fast and we didn't have the time to wait to convene Paul's leadership cabinet. Um, So he trusted uh, two people to, to step in there and feel empowered and that allowed us to move. And so an example, the ball we cannot drop from a public health standpoint, is we need to do contact or disease investigation. So if Janet, if you were uh, uh, determined to be a positive COVID case, we talk to you within 24 hours to find out who you've been in direct contact with. We'd also need to contact those individuals within 24 hours because that's the time that we can ask for self-quarantine. That blocks community spread, right? Yeah, But this information moved so quickly that we knew for every positive case, there were generally about five direct contacts early on. But that was because most people were staying in their homes. Once the safer at home orders began to lift, we started seeing the indirect or the direct contact numbers go by about to 20. Wow. So the workload that we had to yeah. take on was about uh, quadrupled. But because we were able to work ahead and lay out alternative scenarios, we already had plans being developed to accommodate staffing up our workforce with a bigger army, if you will, to respond.
0: So, I mean, that saves lives, potentially, Dale. You know, that's the criticalness of, of that action. As we think about just kind of broadening out to your impact in the community, you all know we work with school districts and colleges. And uh, and I know you all have done phenomenal work with partnerships and communities how have the partnerships in the communities made a significant difference in your planning right now as you continue to commit to that quality service, Paul? What What are your
1: thoughts there? Well, as someone who is um, educated, mind educated, minded, I don't know if that's a true phrase, yeah. Um, but engaged in what's happening K twelve and in the higher ed, uh, we have I've got some great relationships already with our superintendents and then our college presidents. So we reached out to Carroll University to see what they could do to help us when we're looking at the, the COVID crisis. And Dale can elaborate if he wants a little bit more on, but we've created a great partnership with Carroll that will provide virtual learning for the contact tracing investigation process, and then open up opens up a new avenue for the students to learn about public health at the same time. So we're getting assets in individuals to help us with the contact call and other areas of public health. The students are getting a new avenue for education and the alignment is fantastic. They're right down the street from us. They can develop that virtual platform that can help us then expand on where we need the contact tracers. Kind of on the other side real quick, K-12 as we know is transitioning into summertime and a lot of the the nurses and health individuals, healthcare individuals within the schools have a transition period before they start back in the fall, we're able to work with them and hire them on as our contact tracers. And as we know, one of the most important things that all the schools are looking at is, what does the fall look like? Well, creating this new network that we have with the nurses in the schools who are doing the contact tracing right now for us I think is going to be invaluable as we look at reopening the schools, that they're going to have a good connection with public health and can be able to engage very quickly if there's a flare up that happens at a school on how we can handle it. So I look at it kind of a win-win situation. We've reached out in partnering with the schools to figure out a problem that we have. We're helping create a solution that they didn't even think about as we move forward.
0: Wow, what a great reciprocal relationship, you know, just kind of continuing to to learn from each other and use each other's resources and build something that provides great service for the community. We're going to continue with talking a little bit more about partnerships and relations with the school districts in our next episode. Um, So I just, I really appreciate the time today with just helping us understand how a county government can really provide excellent service, provide solutions to people within the county, and create great communication and messaging all at the same time. You just don't see that occur uh, across the country. So you all are no doubt the leaders uh, for people to to learn from. So I appreciate your time today, and I look forward to to continuing this conversation and picking up where we left off on our next episode. Thank you all for today. Thank you. So as we conclude, I think you can can really see the model work that. Paul and Dale as leaders have accomplished with their teams. KK is joining us to talk about work we've been doing recently to help our partner organizations create a plan for moving forward after COVID-19. As I mentioned about the reentry toolkit, you know, we created that toolkit. You were part of that process to support our partners because we were hearing from them, you know, there was a great need to get help. And um, I know you're going to, with that toolkit, going to lead four roundtable sessions aligned to that toolkit, three sessions in July on Tuesdays. Tell us what you're going to do in these roundtables. I think it'd be great for our listeners to hear. What we're
3: going to do at the roundtables is really address current issues that K-12 school district leaders are grappling with, and especially those issues for which there are no precedents. We don't really have a Bank of best practices for reentry. This is really new territory that we're traversing here. So not only are we going to link useful tools from our reentry toolkit to people who join us for these roundtables, we're also going to really talk about very current issues. We'll be sharing a couple of tools from the toolkit at each roundtable, but more importantly, we're gonna meet a need that has been expressed by many leaders around the country. And that is really this question, what are others doing? Everyone wants to know what are other people doing? So the bulk of our time in the roundtables is gonna be just that, digital table conversations where leaders can convene in small groups, share, listen, learn from each other. Our student education coaches are going to be facilitating these small groups to keep the discussion going around the topic, but it's really so that everyone can listen to each other, learn from each other, tie back to our toolkit if it's helpful to them, and then the share out will help people hear a little bit about what's discussed in each of the breakout rooms.
0: Yeah, I like that, KK. I think it's going to be be really helpful to leaders, you know, to hear from each other. You know, how, do, how could they, based on the leaders that you work with, you know, how could these roundtables be helpful to them?
3: I think something that is in the forefront of everybody's mind is that leaders know they have to be decisive right now. Stakeholders are expecting that from the leaders, but this is hard because we're making a way where there is no way. We don't have a way forward. To reentry,
0: and and that's why the roundtables I think are so important because we can learn from each other and we can bring people together who are experiencing some of those same problems. And uh, we we all wanted to do this as just a service that we provide, um, and you know just appreciate that opportunity. To learn more about our reentry toolkit, preparing leaders for a successful return to school next year, join KK at our next reentry roundtable on Tuesday at 2 p.m. Visit studereducation.com to register and find out more. As you leave today, you know, think about the struggles and challenges that you face as you move out into the, the world and continuing to work with the disruption that, and challenges that we have in front of us. I think of something that you heard today and how you could transfer that into your organization, into your personal lives, into your professional lives and your community. I know I've learned a lot from both of them and will do the same myself. On our next episode, we'll continue to have this conversation with Dale and Paul, focusing on how Waukesha County is working with their school district, and and we'll hear more about Waukesha County's improvement work. As we talked about today, they really focus on working with the community and really embracing that community effort. And you'll hear some very specifics about how they've helped the school district work on their reentry plans. The school districts in their county, I, I think it's it's fascinating work and what they do. So I. Just as always, thank all of you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and make sure you're subscribed. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week.